The Melting Pot. Hosted by Dominic Munkas. Hello and welcome to the Melting Pot Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs and authors about doing things differently and how that has brought them success. Today I'm talking to Peter Chap. Peter is a non-accountant who started an accountancy firm. Saw an opportunity to bring outstanding customer experience to the world of accountancy for small businesses. So he's going to tell us a bit about his story. And also look out for the Jedi mind trick that he talks about towards the end of our discussion. I think it's fascinating and I've already started to put that into use myself. Peter Chap. I'm Peter Chap. I'm one of the co-founders of The Wow Company and also the Agency Collective. So just to give you a little bit of background on each, The Wow Company is an accountancy practice that works with small businesses, so typically five to 75 staff. And we're way more than a number crunching accountant. We really help businesses on that journey and make their lives easier, give them advice uh, along the way and uh, really support them on, on that journey of growth. We've been going 14 years and about halfway into that journey, we noticed that a lot of our clients were creative businesses and we wanted to do more to help them. And so we, we started a side project, which has grown and grown and grown into something way more than a side project now. It's something called the Agency Collective. It's now the largest community for agency owners in the UK. And it started off really just to provide a community to help agencies grow quicker. But what it's evolved into is an incredibly uh, supportive network. It's a genuine community where people come together to help each other out, to collaborate and to share in this, this journey of, of running an agency and all the challenges that go with it. And it's, it's a joy to watch businesses come together to learn and grow and share and develop to, together and overcome those challenges. And that's what both businesses do in different ways. Um, they help make a difference, a real positive difference in the lives of business owners. And I'm very proud to have paid uh, a small part in, in setting them up and uh, play an active role in, in each business today. And why did you set up an accountancy business? Are you an accountant? No, and neither is my business partner. So what was really interesting is that Paul and I were both fr frustrated with, with accountants. So Paul had trained an accountant, became disillusioned with, with the profession and uh, really saw the future of accountants as more than just number crunches. So he was selling or attempting to persuade accountants that the future wasn't in crunching numbers, it was in advice. And he had developed a, a framework, it was called the Strategic Planning Toolkit, and he was attempting to convince accountants around the country that they should use this with their clients as a method of doing more than just crunching the numbers. He was getting fed up of trying to convince eight partner firms that this was the future when all they saw, all they wanted to do was um, produce sets of accounts. I was running a, a consultancy firm at the time, effectively sales and marketing consultancy. I was getting frustrated that I was I was looking for, you know, management accounts, information at your fingertips. And I was being told that they couldn't produce the accounts for, for a year and no one knew what profit they were making. So I was frustrated, Paul was frustrated, and we just felt that businesses deserve more. Small businesses particularly deserve more than just being told, here's your accounts, late, not, no explanation of what they mean, no advice, no guidance, and we wanted to give them something more. So we both um, chucked in uh, our, our jobs 
and got really focused on building something special, something that really made a difference. And we've been doing it ever since. Calling it wow, that uh, gets people's attention. Mm -hmm. They don't normally jump from, when I say, oh, I know a guy's got a business called wow. They don't normally jump from that to, oh, that must be an accountancy practice. What, um, why wow, what, what were sort of the principles that you, so we, management we, accounts obviously, but yeah, what, so what else is at the heart of it? We were, we were reading a lot of Tom Peters at the time in his book, The Pursuit of Wow, and do you know what, above all else, we wanted it to be a beacon, a landmark for us as a measure of what we needed to do every single day with our clients. We didn't want it to be the quite good accountancy practice. Uh, we didn't want it to be slightly better than the rest limited. We're wow and we want to deliver well. And we work so hard, and the whole team does every single day to deliver wow. And you will not find a bunch of people who care more about our clients and care more about the delivery of that experience, and it is an experience to, to be a well client, than the 40 people that, that we currently have working as part of the, the team. Um, we take that responsibility really seriously. We love the journey of uh, constantly improving in pursuit of wow, because the journey never ends. We don't think we've ever cracked it, no matter how good we are, no matter how good our NPS score, our um, net promoter score is, how good the customer feedback is. We just, what's, how can we make it better? How can we make it more wow? So it was a, it's a benchmark for us. What's your net promoter score? It's been a really interesting journey. So we started this journey three years ago and we got a score in the 40s which was okay but we got some really useful feedback we then went to implemented some of that feedback and went to 50 then went to 55 and we're now at 65 and we really want to be up with the john lewis's and the first directs of this world so we set up we wanted to be world class i think with 65 we are world class but we wanted to be the best in the world that's where we really want to be we want this to be the best in the world, not just from an accountancy practice, but the best customer experience in the world. And so 70 or above is the benchmark that we've, we've internally set ourselves. And we will get there, and then we'll probably just set a higher one, 80, and just see how far we can push it. Again, it's, this, is a, this is a never ending journey of uh, pursuing excellence, and it's one that's really challenging, but so rewarding. Could you share any examples of the feedback that you got that you then turned into action? Very specifically, it's around relationships and, and uh, how we communicate with, with our clients. So when things go well, it's always because we have good relationships and clear communication. When things don't go well, it's because uh, the, we haven't got a strong relationship or we haven't communicated clearly. So what our, cli our clients were coming to us saying, look, I, I love how friendly everyone is, but I've, I've spoken to about eight different people in, in the last month. And what was interesting was we went, we had some feedback that people wanted quick responses. So in order to give them quick responses, we set up a, a team approach to dealing with those queries. But that meant you could speak to multiple people. As I say, it wasn't unusual for you to speak to eight people in a month. And clients were saying, well, look, I appreciate the quick responses, but you know, I really want a deep, meaningful or a more uh, deep, meaningful relationship with my accountant. So we set up uh, a, a process by which you had a lead accountant and you had uh, a number two. And it meant that ideally at any point in time, you could call the office, you could email and one of those two people would be there. They understand you, your business, 
all your preferences about how you want to be com communicated with, um, whether you like lots of detail or whether you're a headline person, and they can give you the response in a way that will be um, in a, a method of communication that suits you uh, in, a, in a fashion that suits you. And that's, that's a really clear piece of feedback that we, we've got acted upon and are still working on. You know, we haven't, we haven't cracked it perfectly, but we're massively down the road, massively down the road. What's the one thing you won't compromise on? What's at the heart of, of building, building a great customer experience? We, we sat around the boardroom table and asked ourselves this question. We said, um, we were trying to work out how we could go from 40 to, to 70 as a net promoter score. And what we did is we imagined a situation where we'd just won an award at uh, an imaginary award ceremony <clears throat> for the best customer experience in the world. And we said to ourselves, we're all going to go on stage now and we're going to give an acceptance speech. And um, the interviewer is going to ask us, what was the point at which things turned around for you? What was the pivotal moment? What did you do? And the unanimous response that we got back was, it was the point at which we created some principles, some values, some customer experience principles, we call them, and embedded them into our culture. That was the thing that changed everything. So this imaginary award ceremony, we imagined that that would be the thing that changed everything. And so that's what we did. We worked out what was in our DNA in terms of the customer experience. We identified six principles and we worked really hard to embed them into our, our culture. And we talk about them all the time when we're talking about clients. We talk about how we can walk, walk a mile in their shoe, shoes, how we can ensure that we've got their back and a whole host of, of other ones. And we, because we talk about all the time, those behaviours come out and it just happens naturally. So when new, new Wowies join us as part of their induction, they get trained in our client experience principles and they're, they're asked to demonstrate how they've used those. In fact, every week, people are given the opportunity to demonstrate how they use those principles. So that is the turning point for that. It's the one thing that's made a difference. It's, it's, it's identifying the principles and then crucially building them into the culture. Because there's that great quote, isn't there, that people have almost certainly heard several times, but the first time I heard it, it really stuck with me, is that culture will eat strategy for breakfast. So whatever you decide around the boardroom table matters not one bit unless you've got a culture that backs that up. And so we, we make sure that our culture backs, backs up what we decide around the boardroom table. And with a uh, no compromise view on your culture, do you find it more difficult or easier to hire great people? Oh, it's massively easier. And by the way, we've, we've got this really wrong in the past. So I've seen both sides of this. It's sort of confessional time now. When, when, we, well, when you start off a business, it, you start it from nut, nothing, from scratch. We had nothing, no clients, no clue. Paul and I were 20, 24 years old and you just do everything you can to, to pick up clients and you start to build a team. And we honestly thought culture would just take care of itself. What do you need to worry about culture for? It's just, you know, people will sort themselves out. And we got it hugely wrong. And we started to see the downsides of, of that. And not least in the fact that we weren't terrific at hiring people. It was very, very hit and miss and most, mostly miss. So the first step was to be conscious about culture and actually say, what do we want? What are our values? What do we stand for? What, what is our purpose as a business? And be really clear about that. And then everything got so much easier. And this no compromise phrase that you use, is, I think it's really important because you cannot compromise on this stuff. And we work 
really hard to identify areas that aren't quite right and, and tackle them. Whether as previously, you know, going back maybe seven or eight years, we'd have just oh, washed over that, glossed over it. Oh, it'll sort itself out. No, it never sorts itself out. It just gets worse unless you address it immediately and do something about it. Those situations, those individuals, those little grains of sand in your shoe suddenly starts to create a massive blister and uh, when it pops it gets messy that's a horrible analogy i'm really sorry for anyone listening um <laughs> particularly those with blisters <laughs> um but you get the point yeah thinking of terrible messy things there one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was which i was absolutely struck by and wanted to ask you more about is this philosophy or, or i don't know how best to describe it something that you started doing recently where you said you take take a terrible a terrible thing and try and turn it into a positive yeah so as you well know in uh, in business in life things don't always go to plan and there's been numerous occasions when something hasn't gone to plan in our business and I think as humans your default reaction is oh for goodness sakes or perhaps a stronger version of of that where's the bleep machine here we've we got like a bleeper <laughs> that we can edit stuff out oh oh for goodness sake. And again, the human tendency is to, I, I don't know, certainly when we were younger, we'd maybe wallow in self-pity a bit, mope around. And actually, it's pointless. That's utterly pointless, wasted energy. And instead, a question we ask ourselves now is whenever something happens in our business that might look bad, and I, I do bad in inverted commas, because that's only a label really anyway. Oh, that's bad, that's good. It's just a label that you apply to it. So when something happens, what we say to ourselves is, how can we make that the best thing that happened to us this year? Not how can we turn it to our advantage, but how can we make that the best thing that happens to us this year? Now, if you're anything like us, the first time you ask yourself that question, immediately after this thing happens, you'll probably tell yourself to, to do one because you'll just say, look, enough of this positive uh, self-talk. This thing's happened. We need to you know, deal with it. I need to mope for a bit. But if you keep asking yourself that question, you'll soon get out of the moping phase and you'll go, hang on, I'll start to think. What would need to be true for this thing that has happened to be the best thing that's happened to us this year? So when a key person leaves, when a key client leaves, when a huge, I don't know, you really mess up on a, on, a, on a customer experience point of view, if there's a big cash flow crisis, if a relationship has become damaged, whatever has happened, if you actually stop and keep asking yourself that question, how can we make it the best thing that's happened to us this year? I promise you, you will find solutions. And suddenly, that thing that was an incredible annoyance and could potentially set you back initially, is suddenly this trigger for a whole host of opportunities. And I can promise you, there's two things that have happened in the last three months that in, in any business would have caused challenges, and it ha has in ours. But my goodness, the opportunities that it has opened up are mind-blowing because we very very quickly collectively as a group kept bombarding ourselves with that question what would need to be true for this to be the best thing that happened to us this year and yeah it's amazing what happens when you do that so powerful how the mind works and where did you get that from i don't know i i, I don't know um do you know what may possibly i guess just the the experience of, you know, of just getting, as you get older and, and go through these experiences, first of all, you realise that they're not as bad as you previously thought. I remember when the first person handed their notice in at WOW and it, it just felt like the world was coming to end. You know, how, how could they leave us? You know, 
it was just so personal. How could they leave our wonderful company? And of course, people leave businesses for all sorts of reasons all of, all of the time. And actually, people leaving change or change just always creates opportunity, always creates opportunity. And I think if you can embrace that and embrace that feeling that you get of, oh, yikes, and just go, this is good. This, something good will come of this. And you start looking for the good that, that, that's going to come of it. So I think it's, um, it's an age thing it's, and it, an experience thing. It's interesting. I was, I, when, you were think, when you were using that as an example, I was thinking back to two things, both of which are, I suppose, almost going bust. Rackspace, when just as I joined Rackspace, 9-11 happened. company was going to be sold. Oh, wow. We had three months cash left. Totally transformed how we then needed to run the business. And when I took over at IT Lab, it was the same thing. I took over, obviously not enough due diligence, took over to realise that we were had about three months cash left and uh, otherwise we were out of business. So in both cases, that completely changed people's perspective. I hadn't thought about it the way you describe it, but that sort of, because it makes you think about all of the things you thought you were true, that were true every yeah. morning, that you don't force yourself to challenge something ca- almost catastrophic can happen and you go, okay, so what do we have to do? And it's, it's that word force that I think is important and it forces you to think differently. And then in, in this couple of occasions recently, we've, we've been forced to think differently, had groundbreaking sort of moments of epiphany and breakthroughs and then felt really stupid that we had to have this moment of real catastrophe and challenge to cause about this different thinking. But I think sometimes you, you need to and... I think it's, yeah, it, it does force you to think differently. When things are going well, this is the other thing I've learned, when things are going well, you don't learn anything. So I remember prior to the, to the recession, so we set up in 2004, everything we touched turned, turned to gold. And we, we, like, it was just easy. We didn't learn a single thing in that time. And it was only when things got more challenging, and initially that looked like, oh, the recession, that's going to be harder work. What a gift. Because it forced us to... Put a, write a load of things that weren't right and force us to learn a load of lessons we needed to learn. And it didn't feel like it at the time, but my goodness, what, what a wonderful opportunity that, that was. And I think knowing that you don't, when things are going well, you don't learn stuff means that when there's adversity, your learning goes through the roof. And that's exciting, exhilarating. Just taking you back to NPS, Net Promoter Score. If people say, Pete, wow, it's an amazing company. You learn nothing. You're not going to change anything. It's only if people say you're not being as good as you said you were going to be or there's something you're doing that's really naffing me off or, you know, I've given you a four. I'm dissatisfied. Now, you learn something from the criticism or the dissatisfaction that you just you don't learn from the sort of positive feedback. It's nice to get positive feedback. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy, but you don't learn anything from it, do you? No. And, you know, if there's any clients of WOW listening and... You know, you do want to give us a four out of 10. Give us a four out of 10. Tell us where we, we are going wrong. Because if people hadn't told us that, you know, they were fed up with eight points of contact, then we would never have changed it. And all good things come, come from that positive feedback. We embrace it. We encourage it. Uh, not You don't have to wait for the survey to go out twice a year. You can email uh, us at any point in time. Pick up the phone. We, we want this. We, we're, oh, that's the only way we're going to get better. And what's the, what's the biggest challenge you've got at WOW today? It changes all the time we're, we're 40 40 members of the team now and 
I suppose this applies at every stage, but we've, I've never run a business this, this big before. And so it's uncharted territory because even if I had, the world's different and technology's different and there's stuff changing all, all the time. And it's just navigating that journey of growth, maintaining the culture, maintaining profitability, maintaining the excellence in our customer experience and sticking to, together as, as, a, as a team. I think the cultural bit of the jigsaw is, is, is always a real challenge when you bring in people and there's lot, lots of change, but it, it's, all of, it's all of those, those bits. There's not, it's just the, or the constant challenge of growth, I guess, and that's multifaceted and it, and it changes. But we're very fortunate that we have a very strong board and over half that board has been promoted from within and that's so that they know wow through and through so as well as the two founders me and paul uh, we have kelly who uh, joined us out of university 11 years ago hannah who's who's uh, been with us seven years and um similar time for, for for dan so it's great to see kelly hannah and dan work their way through and you know they're equals with, with me and Paul and in many situations are, are betters because they, they bring things that, that, that we can't. And it's wonderful to have that, that strong team and then supported by an amazing team of people who share that, uh, that vision, share, share our values and um, are just really enjoying going on this journey that we're on. And where does it go? So we don't know exactly where, but I know I'll still be doing this in at least another 10 years. So I absolutely adore, adore what, what I do and I find it almost a shame when I speak to people. I, I chatted to someone the other day and they said, oh, I said, what, what are your plans for the next few years? And they said, oh, I'm fed up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell out. And I'm like, oh my God, that's really sad. That you could, so you set up this business, you're in charge and, and now you're fed up with what you're doing and your solution is to, is to sell out. I think that, that's really sad and, and I'm very grateful that I, I have uh, in my work is is utterly fulfilling. I, I adore that challenge. In many ways, I've been doing this for 14 years. It feels like I've only just started. That's the crazy thing. It feels like I've only just started. There's so much more that uh, I want to achieve. There's so much more I think we're capable of as a team. There's a difference I want to make a having, uh, that I, I want to have in the world that I haven't in many ways begun to have yet. And so more of the same, but the, you know, the world's going to change. Technology is going to change the, the relationship between clients and their accountant, change the way that we do accounts. And I think you can expect WOW to, to evolve ahead of that curve. We'll be doing um, more, I guess, consultancy uh, rather than just the, the number crunching. We'll be helping businesses more and guiding them more rather than just doing the, the, the numbers work as computers take, take care of that for us. So that's really exciting to be at the forefront of that, that innovation and just continuing our personal mission. So we set this up 14 years ago to make a positive impact in the world, to make a really big difference to small businesses. We wanted to build an environment where people could do the best work of their lives. And I wanna just continue that, that mission and we'll see where that takes us, both at WOW and an agency collective as well, because that's, that's a growing business too. And was that mission the purpose? That's what took you to start the side project, agency collective? Yes, I guess it's, so we wrote it down on day one. Well, not on day one. It was sort of day minus 150, I think, because it took us probably a few months to pluck up the courage to, to chuck, chuck in what we were doing before to, to set this up. But the first thing we wrote down in, in our little book in one of several visits to Cafe Nero in Winchester was 
what we were good at, what, what our skills were, um, what our values were and, and what we wanted to, to achieve. And we wrote that down first. And we were really clear about how we wanted to spend our time, the impact we wanted to have on the world, the sort of business we wanted to build. And you know, that, the world's changed so much since then, but that, that purpose hasn't changed one jot, not one bit. And it just makes everything e easier. It just aligns you and it, decisions are easier. And I guess subconsciously, you know, I, I didn't sit down and go, oh, I, I remember what my mission is, or let me dig out the book. I think I've, I've only dug that book out like twice in the last 14 years. But subconsciously, it caused me to set up Agency Collective and it subconsciously caused me to have uh, lots of other ideas about how I can make an impact and I'm sure I'll execute one of those in, in, in a big way soon. But, but right now I'm, I'm really focused on these, is, these projects. Is Agency Collective though, are you there targeting a smaller group of clients that would normally be a WOW customer? Yeah, so solely agency owners and typically of a, t you know, a typical size. So WOW works really well, I guess, bet with between sort of half a million and three million turnover that's where we're world class no one can touch us in, in in that space for agency collective tends to to look after the, the smaller businesses so typically say between quarter of a million and up to up to one and a half to two million it's a slightly different much more focused by the way that that power of focus is my goodness something i've learned so so people far wiser than me were telling me in the early days when we were just doing everything just to, to say focus 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 you should focus but it's really hard it's really hard to focus when in the early stage of the business. So people would come to us at WOW and say, oh, can you, can you look after this business and do this thing? And we'd look at it and go, oh, God, that looks complicated. We've never done it before. But we'd say, yeah, yeah, we can do it. And then we'd probably make a mess of it. And it would take five times as long. The client wouldn't be happy. We wouldn't be happy. No one's happy. And you soon work out that that's just daft. So over time, we've got way more focused. And we just start saying no to stuff. No, we can't sorry, we're not, we're not right for you. And this is, you know, genuinely, we're not right for you. We, we will only do stuff where we think we can be the best in the world at it. And that's certain types of, of businesses of a certain size with a certain mindset and outlook. And we spend a lot of time making sure that we're right for each other now. And I'd encourage anyone listening to this to just, you know, they won't have heard, they'd have heard this concept of focus plenty of times before. But this idea of what can you be the best in the world at just kept getting repeated to me. I just kept hearing it in different places. And eventually the penny dropped and you start to, to narrow down and go, oh, okay, what could we be the best in the world at? Hmm, interesting. And what would need to be true for that to happen? And then you just go on this incredible journey. And it looks like you're narrowing down your options and you're, it, it looks like you're gonna have less opportunities because you're saying no to more stuff. But actually you create more opportunities because, with this focus because you have the blinkers on. You know, if, if you're trying to market to everyone then that's exhausting like utterly exhausting but if there's only a select few clients that you you think you could work with everything becomes easier you know what events to run you know uh, what content to put out you know uh, who to contact e everything everything becomes focused you can you can really get to understand them and so having the agency collective as a very very focused network um, you know if it was just we can help all businesses of all size there's no way it would have been as effective and successful as it is. It's not, not a chance because, well, it's not a specialist. So people like dealing with specialists. Always.
always. I just, it, but you're absolutely right. So often I'm having conversations with people and they're saying the same thing. But, but, but you know, I say, who, who are your most profitable current clients? Often, to your point about management accounts, people don't know who their profitable clients are. And they then are nervous about focusing in on getting really, because they're, it's a fear. It's a fear. But the alternative is you're just standing there with a megaphone shouting, hoping that the right person walks past. Or you could continue to grow, because look, you're not specialised, you're doing anything, you will continue to grow potentially, but you won't grow, you won't have as much fun, it won't, you won't be doing the things that you really enjoy doing, you won't be best in the world. And then often people get, oh, I don't know, maybe it's a British thing, an English thing. People go, you know, don't get up yourself, what, do you, what are you talking about? Best in the world, what a load of bollocks. But look, it's not for everybody. So if you don't want to be great at something, don't be. That's fine. But when, unless you can focus on something and try and narrow it down, even if it's be the best in Wiltshire or the best in Winchester, yep. you've, got to, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to aim to be great at something. And particularly for, for agencies, actually, it's a real challenge because so many of them look the same. What do you do? Websites, build apps, um, we do SEO. And, and so how, how on earth do you differentiate yourselves? Now, that, sometimes it's on expertise, sometimes it's an industry sector, but sometimes it might just be a passion of yours. And I'm a big believer in, as you know, creating a business that helps you follow your passion. And one agency that um, was a member of the collective discovered, said, look, we, we work for all sorts of businesses and we're going to really focus. And they had a passion in craft beer. So they said, we're going to be the agency, we're going to specialise in the craft beer industry. And so they complete, and they had, I think, one, maybe two case studies. So they were far from the experts in this, but they said, this is our passion. We're going to get behind this and go on this journey, see what's happened. 12 months later, they have pretty much sewn up this, this space. They run events regularly. They built a community around craft, craft beer. Um, they've got a load of clients and they're having the time of their lives uh, following their passion. They can't believe that this is work because it just doesn't feel like work. They're doing all of this, these projects for these amazing brands that, that are paying them to, to work with them and they would happily work with these, these guys for, for, for free. And by the way, these guys, these clients are now willing to pay more because these guys are building genuine expertise. Uh, but I just love that, that story. This doesn't always need to be about money and often it's best when it isn't. But if you can follow that passion, if you can create a business that allows you to follow something or, or achieve something that you want to achieve personally, then this won't feel like work. And it, and it shouldn't. It just feels joyful. If you could go back in time, mm -hmm. at any point over the last 14 years then, and repeat something again, what would you, what would you change? You know, there's, there's minor little instances that, that, that I would change, but none of them would, I don't think, affect where we ended up. The one piece of advice I'd give myself was, which I'm better at now than I was in the earlier days, is just, just enjoy the journey. In the early, early stage of the business, it just felt, you know, everything felt like it, it, it was on, on the line. And I suppose in many ways it, it, it was. I just got way more philosophical as, I, as I've got older and, and I'm really enjoying the challenges that, that come with running and growing a, a business. And I think that enjoying the journey bit, we work so hard. Anyone listening to this podcast will know how hard it is to, to, to run a business and the challenges that, that you go through. And we're, we're really good at setting objectives and plowing forward. What we're not quite so good at is just stopping and just taking a look behind us and going, wow, 
look how far we have come. Look how far we have come. And when you actually stop to do that and look around you at the beauty in, in, in our businesses every single day, uh, you just get an enormous feeling of satisfaction and gratitude and just being really happy with, with where you're at now. And being really happy with where you're at now is a really good place to, to be. I, I spend a lot of time hitting objectives with the business but never being satisfied it's a, it's, it's a horrible place to be in, in the early stages you know i was young i guess and right we need to hit this target we hit that target great no now we need to hit this one now we need to hit this one well of course you you do it's handy to have targets and handy to have a plan but it's it's way more important i believe to to really enjoy the journey so that's my advice is just go back to my younger self and just tap me on the shoulder and say hey pete just chill out a bit it'll be all right Take a long-term view, enjoy the ride. And I think that's a, a really good piece of advice. Thank you. And, and thinking about books you've read, what would you recommend? Or... So, so there's a couple and, and they, one came right at the start of my journey and one's just, just finished reading and probably neatly sum up where I was at then and where I'm at now. But there was, there was a wonderful book that encouraged me to take the leap and set up the, the, the business. And I think anyone listening to this thinking about setting up a business should read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It, it, was, um, it was a book that really inspired me to, to take action and to, to follow my dreams and pursue those dreams. And I'm very grateful that I found that book at that time and it allowed me to do that. There, there's a book I've just finished reading called uh, Positive Intelligence that looks a lot at mindset and that's been really helpful in I guess my current state of zen and calmness and, and thinking about life. And that's, I, I find that quite, quite useful as a guide for how to, to think effectively. Because if you can think effectively, then you can, it goes a long way to taking effective action. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Tom. Thank you for listening to the Melting Pot podcast. Please, we're now on iTunes. Give us some feedback and on Stitcher and SoundCloud. That'd be fantastic. And sign up to the newsletter over on medium.com slash foundry media. You can sign up for the weekly newsletter and read the blog. Till next time. Goodbye. The Melting Pot was hosted by Dominic Monkhouse. And you can find out more about Dom on LinkedIn, just search for Dominic Monkhouse or his companies, Foundry Media or Foundry 51.